Welcome into another edition of Running the Point. Noah Gardner here with you, changing the narrative in the sports talk industry. We are what sports talk should be, bold. You're listening on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports or on demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We got a full show for you guys Alert. today. Air raid incoming. Alert. Air raid incoming. Roll the clip. Mississippi State will take down the defending national champions in week one and expose LSU as overrated. Overrated. So as you can see, I was correct last week and all summer long. For all you people out there that I've been telling, Dad didn't believe me, doubted me, there you go. Mississippi State beating the defending national champion, the defending SEC champion of the LSU Tigers. It was a good weekend in college football this past week. A fantastic slate. LSU not the only team to go down. Oklahoma going down as well. It was a fun weekend in college football. And so with that, we're going to do some SEC superlatives this week, talking about a few of the teams in the league and what award they would win in our week one yearbook. First off, the Auburn Tigers, best dressed in the SEC this week. And it's going to go to Gus Malzahn of the Auburn Tigers once again. Malzahn honored Pat Dye on Saturday with the white button-down shirt and orange and blue tie. I was a big fan of the outfit. I'm a big fan of pretty much anything vintage when it comes to sports. And there was a former Miami coach, Al Golden, who wore the you know the suit, the button-down, the tie, the dress pants. I don't know. I, it works in football for me. I know a lot of people say that you know don't be a basketball coach, but I, I dig it. I think it's a, I think it's a cool look. And Malzahn was asked if he would keep the style. He said he hadn't thought that far yet. I hope this is permanent. I don't want him to go back. Auburn Vintage looks fantastic. I love the the old Sailor Albie logo, the Eagle logos. They look fantastic. I'm hoping Auburn rocks with it from now on with Malzahn wearing that, uh, wearing that style. Already talked about LSU a little bit. Class clown this week at the SEC, possibly all season long. Ranked as the number 16 in the country. That was laughable in itself. The closest example that I can find to a team that lost the same volume of talent as LSU did this past year was Auburn in 2011, at least a team coming off a national championship victory. Auburn started the year ranked 23rd in 2011. LSU starts this year getting the benefit of the doubt and ranked number six, but it was undeservedly so. The LSU defense was a joke. Had me laughing all day. K.J. Costello with 623 passing yards in a game. He broke SEC records over LSU's head. Fantastic performance for Mississippi State. Not so much for LSU, and I was rolling all day long about it. Best Best all around is Alabama. Crimson Tide, they were pretty much the only team that had a complete performance on Saturday, and go figure it would be the team that's ranked number two and honestly the best team in the conference, it seems like, going into every football season. They looked like they were further along than everyone else in the league. It doesn't mean they were perfect, 
but they were definitely the most put together. And some of the things that Alabama could probably improve on from here at times, the offense maybe looked a little bit simple. I don't think Matt Jones had his best day. Not that he had a bad day. He still had a good performance, but I don't think it was his best day. The defense probably could shake up a little bit or, or, or shape up a little bit, rather. Missouri scoring 19 points. I didn't expect that. I expected them to score a little bit less than that. But overall, compared to the other teams in this league in week one, I think Alabama had the best all-around performance. Most likely to succeed, Florida. One of my takeaways on Saturday was the SEC East had a disappointing weekend. I'm over here thinking that Kentucky's going to be a pretty good football team this year. Tennessee's going to have an up year this year. Georgia still one of the teams to beat in the East. I think Florida has joined those ranks. Everybody in the East felt like they had a disappointing weekend, except for really Florida. I, I, I didn't like too much of anybody else's performances. I guess South Carolina only losing by four is a bonus for them. But Florida, when they look around at the SEC East after this week, I think you got to look at Georgia and be like, yeah, that's a winnable game. We should expect to beat Georgia this year. I think several teams should expect to beat Georgia this year. I left week one thinking Georgia's going to take a loss to Auburn, Alabama, and Florida at least this year. And you never know if Tennessee or Kentucky could maybe sneak up on them. But that first week's performance for Georgia left me leaving a lot to be desired or not because Georgia can be annoying at times. But this Florida team looks around in the East, and I think they see all winnable football games. Of course, they look at the West, and it's not that difficult of a slate when you see how Texas A&M played against Vanderbilt. A&M still has a chance to improve, but even Florida's Western opponents – are very manageable. Florida could be looking at a 10-0 season this year if some of these other teams don't improve. While Florida's defense and their performance wasn't perfect either, I mean, they gave up like 600 yards of offense to Ole Miss. Ole Miss looking like a brand-new team this year. Their offense looked great. And for week one, coming out of the offseason that all these teams just had, that offense looked too good to be true. I think they'll keep it up, though, as the year goes on. Moving on, most accident-prone team Texas A&M, and here I am thinking that Kellen Mond is going to be an interception machine this year as he is in some football games. Kellen Mond is like Jameis Winston of the NFL when he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and when he was in a starting role. He'll win you seven ball games in the league, but he'll lose you nine by throwing interceptions and by literally gift-wrapping the game to the other team. Kellen Mond kind of feels like he's had that same track record in the SEC these past three years that he's been the starter at Texas A&M, but he did it differently this week at A&M. He had three fumbles, and he lost two of them. A&M total had five fumbles, five against Vanderbilt. Let's just say I'm not trusting Texas A&M to eat anything on my couch or to help me on moving day. This team, accident-prone, the turnover bug still with the Aggies, and for as much hype as was heaped onto this team, Going into the 2020 football season, everybody's dark horse. I think you cease to become a dark horse when so many people pick you to kind of come out of nowhere to compete for the SEC West crown this year, and they have an abysmal performance against Vanderbilt. Honestly, I don't know how Vanderbilt didn't win it when Texas A&M had as many turnovers as they did. My next one, and second to last one, we got most likely to not change, Kentucky. And this isn't necessarily a slight on Kentucky this year. They just don't have a high ceiling. They don't have a low floor. 
I still think that this is a good team or above average team, but I don't think they're going to get better. You see the most development with players in a program in the early years, not when they become seniors. The seniors should be benefiting from, they should be reaping the benefits from the years of development that they've seen prior. You aren't still developing when you're a senior. That's when you should be showing out. That's when the lights turn on. This is your year. Kentucky will only get marginally better as the year goes on, and I don't think you see, if you haven't seen it already, you're not going to see Terry Wilson take steps forward as a passer. He had offseason to work on it and a longer offseason to work on it, and he struggled to complete passes downfield against Auburn. Part of that is Auburn's secondary looks to be really good this year. Had a lot of his receivers covered up. His receivers may not have been doing a good job of getting open, but when I looked at Terry Wilson, he looked uncomfortable when his eyes had to go downfield to throw the football. And majority of the passes, and I don't have actual statistics on this, but it feels like 80 to 90% of the passes that Terry Wilson completed were at or behind the line of scrimmage. That's not going to be a recipe for success for Kentucky later on in this season when they have to play teams like Georgia and Florida that should be good at stopping the run this year. What you saw out of Kentucky against Auburn, that was their best game plan. And we'll talk about that in our next segment on Film Room. We'll analyze what Kentucky did against Auburn. We'll also analyze how Auburn got better. So that's something to look forward to coming up on the show. But Kentucky, what you saw on Saturday, that's what you get this year. A team that's going to run the ball first, and then they're going to hit you with some screen passes every once in a while, might take a shot downfield. And they did connect on a couple of shots downfield against Auburn, but only like two, and that's not going to be enough. And we've seen that with Auburn in recent years. That's not going to be enough to get over the hump when you have to play the teams that are better than you in the trenches and everywhere else on the field. I'm looking at Florida and Georgia. Kentucky could sneak up on Georgia with the way that Georgia played, but I don't think we're going to see Kentucky change at all this year. I think what you saw on Saturday is what you're going to get with the Wildcats. And then last one, the most changed team in the SEC this year, Mississippi State quarterback K.J. Costello broke an SEC record for passing guards with 623 against LSU in Baton Rouge. This one is pretty much self-explanatory. As we opened up the show, Air Raid incoming, new head coach, new offensive system. It's the first time the Air Raid offense has came into the SEC, or at least this extreme of it. We've seen some pass-happy offenses in this league. We've seen Bobby Petrino do it to a degree. We've seen Steve Spurrier do it some. Steve Spurrier, really the first coach to bring it into the SEC. Those offenses were 60-40 Mike Leach is bringing in a system that is 75-25, and that's what we saw in that game against LSU. Mississippi State had nine rushing yards and won a football game at the SEC. That is apocalyptic. I don't know if this is going to keep up against some of the better teams in this league, especially the teams like Auburn, Alabama, those teams on Mississippi State's schedule that have good secondaries. I think that's where State's going to get tripped up. But in games against teams like LSU, and LSU's secondary was already shorthanded, as we found out in the pregame, Derek Stingley was in the hospital or was hospitalized overnight due to an illness. Those types of things, that buttered up LSU's defense for K.J. Costello to have a wild day. I would have never expected 623 passing yards, maybe 400, but not 623. Uber-impressed. It was outrageously successful on Saturday. Let's see if it keeps moving forward. But one thing is for sure, Mississippi State is a completely different football team than they were ever. And they're a completely different football team than anything the SEC has ever seen before. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? 
We'll know as the season progresses. That does it for this first segment on Running the Point. When we come back on the other side of this break, we're going to have our first edition of the film room on Running the Point. I'm going to break down some Kentucky film about what they did well on offense. Despite the 13 points, I think they did some really positive things. I thought they had a well-thought-out offensive game plan and how Auburn's defense really didn't adjust to it that great in the first half but did at halftime. And then how has Bo Nix improved? He looked mighty good with three touchdown passes in that first game. Bo Nix has moved forward leaps and bounds in 2020. We'll talk about that here on the other side of this break on Running the Point. on Running the Point. Noah Gardner here with you on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports. And as promised, we've got our first edition of the film room here on Running the Point. We're going to be breaking down what Kentucky did well on offense in the first half against Auburn, how they took advantage of some pre-snap formations and having advantages against Auburn with numbers, and then how Bo Nix has taken some major steps forward in the Auburn offense going into the 2020 season. It's the first edition of Film Room. We got the glasses on. School is in session. Let's get going. And here on this first play with Kentucky, once again, we're examining these pre-snap formations for the Wildcats and what they were able to do to get advantage against Auburn before the play began. You can see quads at the bottom of your screen here for Kentucky. Four wide receiver formation, unbalanced look. If you split the field down the middle with the center, you look at the top of the screen and your bottom of your screen. Kentucky's going to move this play and run it to the right. But when you look at the numbers here, offensive line versus how many defenders Auburn has in the tackle box. Auburn has two defensive linemen and then a linebacker that will motion over there into the box. That's three against three here when you've got the center and then the guard and the tackle. If we roll the play here, we see how it turns out. Those equal numbers. Kentucky blocks it perfectly right here. You can see the center gets to the second level to take the linebacker out. Wide open hole. Wildcat score with Cavossier smoke. No one's over there to touch him. And that's what the unbalanced look got you in the pre-snap formation. Of course, you got to block it and it worked out perfectly for the Wildcats there in that set on this next play as we pause it here we can look here and they they move the wide receiver into a slot formation here now you've got a balanced look you've got two wide receivers here an H-back and a, and a wide receiver at the top of your screen right now it is a perfectly balanced formation that Kentucky has against Auburn Auburn in the nickel defense the pistol formation here I love the pistol. The pistol is the most underutilized formation in all of football. And the reason for that is Auburn does not know how to account for this running back. He is not unbalancing the formation by being on the right or the left side here. It is a perfectly balanced formation. You do not know which side this running back is going to go to. It ends up being a run when you count up the numbers inside the tackle box of Kentucky blockers versus Auburn defenders. Once again, Auburn's in the nickel, meaning they've only got two linebackers. Draw a line down the middle where your center is. Is, and then count up the blockers on the left side of the field, which is where this play is going to be run to. You've got an H-back, a, a, a two offensive linemen in the tackle box, and then the center as well. So that is four offensive linemen against Auburn's three players on the left side of the field in the tackle box, which is two defensive linemen and a linebacker. As we roll the clip, we see how it's blocked out. Four is greater than three. It's going to be hard for Auburn to fill a gap there in its wide open hole around left tackle and Cavossier smoke with an easy first down for the Wildcats. As now, 
we wrap up the talk here about Kentucky's offense and what they were able to do as we pause this clip here before we get to Bo Nix. Kentucky getting those pre-snap advantages against Auburn. Auburn didn't have an answer for it in the first half, and that's why the Wildcats ran the ball so effectively against Auburn. Nearly seven yards per carry in the first half. Kevin Steele made adjustments at halftime. Auburn held them to 1.7 yards per carry in the second half. Now talking about the Auburn offense here, and it's a completely different Auburn offense in week one as opposed to what we've seen with Gus Malzahn. Chad Morris has brought some new concepts, and Bo Nix looking a lot more comfortable in this Auburn offense as a passer. As we start the clip here, we can see Bo Nix dropping back to pass. Pocket is beginning to collapse. He steps up in the pocket. We'll pause it here. What we've seen in the past with Bo Nix is when the pocket begins to shift or the pocket begins to move, Bo Nix will drop his eyes and then will decide to go and run the football himself. That time, if we could go back to the beginning of the clip just a little bit and we'll reverse it here, Bo Nix with the pocket shifting, he moves with the pocket and delivers a pass downfield, a very catchable ball to Seth Williams for the reception. Outstanding play here, moves into the pocket, throws down the field, keeps his eyes down the field, and him keeping his eyes down the field is how he was able to find Seth Williams. We see it again here on this next play as it pulls up for a touchdown here. We'll pause it here in the pre-snap. Auburn, I don't remember the last time I've seen Auburn run trips in an offensive formation with wide receivers. So already Auburn trying to get advantages in the pre-snap with wide receivers. We'll roll the clip here. Nick snaps it. Pocket, he notices blindside pressure, steps over, delivers a catchable ball to the only place that his receiver could get it with Seth Williams. That is a confident throw from a confident quarterback that he just simply put wasn't making last year. This year, he's making it in an offense that is accentuating his and Seth Williams' strengths, and it's going to pay dividends for Auburn as he gets more and more confident as the year goes on and comfortable in the offense as the year goes on. It was only game one. Imagine what this looks like in game five and then in game ten when the year goes on. Bo Nix looking great in week one for the Auburn Tigers. When we come back, we wrap up the show with game picks here on Running the Point. running the point here on Radio Alabama Sports and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner with you. I hope you enjoyed the film room session. We're going to hopefully be able to bring that to you as the year goes on, analyzing and picking apart some game plans and what teams are doing well in the SEC. But we're going to wrap up the show here with game picks, and we'll start it off with the first game of the weekend in the SEC at 11 a.m. on ESPN, the number three Florida Gators at home against South Carolina, 17-and-a-half-point favorites over the Gamecocks. Florida's offense looking like the best in the SEC on the first Saturday. The Gators had 642 yards of offense against Ole Miss. I don't imagine South Carolina being able to keep up with Florida. Good performance for South Carolina in week one against a better team, Tennessee, but if you watch that game, you can see they don't have the players on offense to be able to keep up. Ole Miss didn't, and Ole Miss had a great offensive day. I definitely don't think South Carolina's going to be able to get that done, so I like Florida in this one. Moving over to the Big 12, we got TCU at number 9, Texas, 11 a.m. on Fox, Texas, 13-point favorites, which is interesting. And I think it may be a little bit of an overreaction to the Texas Tech game from last week. Color me shocked on that one, too. But Texas's offense looks great. Defense, not so much. I'm hoping for a better defensive performance this week than last week with this pick. 
This should be another big week for Sam Ellinger, though. TCU just lost to Iowa State, who lost to Louisiana Lafayette, who has struggled into some in some Sunbelt games recently. So I like Texas to outman TCU in this one. Sam Ellinger already in the Heisman race, 10 touchdown passes through two games for the Longhorn quarterback. Big week, hopefully, again, for this guy. You got you to gotta root for the guy. Longhorn, uh, the Longhorns are his of the love of his life, and now he's getting to live out his dream as a four-year starter at Texas. You got to root for the guy. Another SEC game here, Missouri at number 21, Tennessee, 11.5-point favorites are the Vols. This is one of the trickiest lines in all of college football this weekend. I don't like it. This is one of the trickier lines because Tennessee disappointed me on Saturday against South Carolina. I thought they were going to be a little bit better this year than what they showed in the first game, and they honestly still can get better. But the offense is so up and down that I don't have confidence without a shadow of a doubt in my mind that they can separate themselves from even somebody like Missouri. Maybe in week two after having a full game under their belt and got, getting guys back and everybody's healthy and, and then another full week, full week of practice, maybe they can get to the point where they can beat somebody by two touchdowns. But I didn't get that vibe after week one. I do think they're better, though. I think they edge out Missouri unless they look ahead to next week when they're playing Georgia. But I like Tennessee in this one. It is a trap game, though. ACC matchup here, NC State at number 24, Pittsburgh. 14-point favorites are the Panthers at 11 a.m. on ACC Network. Another game, another line that I do not like. 14 points. This is another team with Pittsburgh that I don't think they're capable of beating somebody by 14 points. You look at their offensive performances against FBS programs this year. I say FBS, they're 3-0. Their first game was against a bad FCS team. They scored 21 points against Syracuse and 23 against Louisville. And those are not defenses to write home about in the ACC. They're not good. Nonetheless, it's more concerning NC State's defense is giving up 43.5 points a game. So I do think Pittsburgh wins this one. I like it, but I still don't trust them. One of these games, they're going to get exposed in the ACC. Talk about a team that's going to get exposed this weekend. Number 13, Texas A&M at number 2, Alabama. 16.5 point favorites are the Crimson Tide, and that is too low. 2.30 p.m. on CBS, and it's too low because Nick Saban does not show mercy to the teams that think they can show up and compete. Like other ranked opponents, he's not going to give them mercy. I remember days where he absolutely smited Ole Miss. I mean, we'll throw up with no mercy over 60 points on him. I don't know if Alabama would be able to score 60 points on Texas A&M, but A&M cannot expect to turn the ball over against Alabama like they did against Vanderbilt and still think that they can win this ball game. And I think, if anything, week one proved that Alabama a lot further along than anybody else in this league right now. They had the most complete performance last week. I like Alabama to beat Texas A&M this one, and I'm thinking three or four touchdowns. Just something about A&M does not seem to be clicking at this point this year. Number 12, North Carolina, 14-point favorites over Boston College, 2.30 p.m. on ABC. This is a tough game for North Carolina, who got a bye week after their first game of the season against Syracuse. They beat Syracuse, but they didn't really turn it on until late in the second half against Cuse, where they pulled away. I mean, it was still a 7-6 ball game in the third quarter, and then they pulled away. And just when you finally think they're, they're figuring things out, oh, they got to go into a bye week, just kind of this disjointed and kind of stop-and-start season for North Carolina to open up, and they're playing a team that's hallmark as a tough defensive performance with Boston College. Um, I, I think North Carolina will win, but I don't think people that were high up on North Carolina are going to be thinking that this team looks great after their first two games of the year. Their offense could struggle a little bit at, at times, but I do like UNC in this one. 
Big 12 matchup that is going to be the epitome of the cesspool of the Big 12 this year and a shootout. Texas Tech at Kansas State, two-and-a-half-point favorites are the Wildcats, 2.30 p.m. on FS1. After beating Oklahoma, I think Kansas State's going to have a letdown game. I like Texas Tech in this one. Um, it, this one's going to be high-scoring. Both of these teams don't play defense. They have quarterbacks that can throw it around the yard. I like Red Raiders in this one, who I think is going to be a little bit more dialed in after losing narrowly to Texas last week. Played well, though, so a little bit of a moral victory there. Kansas State, on the other hand, I think is going to return a little bit more to the average. They had a great performance last week, probably going to return to normal this week, have a letdown game. I like Texas Tech. Now it's time for my Expose Pick of the Week. And every week, we are going to have a segment or part of picks, the game where I say, this team's getting exposed this week. And it is going to be the Kentucky Wildcats, who are six-and-a-half-point favorites in this one against Ole Miss, 3 p.m. on SEC Network. I like the Rebels in this one. Kentucky's offense, although I, I liked what they did schematically with their game plan, like I said in the first segment, they got the most likely to not change because what you saw on Saturday was what you're going to get out of Kentucky, a team that's going to run the ball and a little bit more of a one-dimensional approach is going to help out the Ole Miss defense, even if it gave up 52 points on Saturday to Florida for as bad as this Ole Miss defense was, though, the Rebel offense was on fire against Florida over the weekend, who was supposed to have one of the better defenses in all of college football, and they had no problem putting up 600 yards. Matt Corral looks like a completely different quarterback throwing the ball downfield, and you still have the rushing threat with Jerry and Ely and John Rice Plum Lee. This is my exposed game. Lane Kiffin, is, I wouldn't call this a hallmark win, since when is Kentucky a hallmark win, but it's definitely a momentum-generating win for an Ole Miss team that I think wants to push past five wins this year and might push some of the better teams in the SEC West. Could be a trap game for teams like Auburn. Another SEC game here, Arkansas at Mississippi State. Bulldogs jump into the top 25 at 16 this week. 18-point favorites over Arkansas, 6.30 p.m. SEC Network alternate. Air Raid for the first time. It's being played in Starkville with Mississippi State. Home game for them. Good thing. They've got a lot of grassland to park the planes. I like Mississippi State over Arkansas. They don't have the horses. I mean, the hogs. Oklahoma at Iowa State, 6.30 p.m. ABC. Overreaction to Oklahoma's loss last week to Kansas State with the line. Six and a half points for the Sooners. It's still Oklahoma, and it's still Iowa State. That just doesn't look as good of a team as they have in recent years. Of course, I know Iowa State has beaten Oklahoma recently, but I I just – Spencer Rattler, all those receivers, just how good that offense is. I'm going to take Oklahoma in this one. Number 20, LSU at Vanderbilt, 6.30 p.m. on SEC Network. And trust me, I want to pick LSU. I can't bring myself to do it, but I want to pick – or excuse me, I want to pick Vanderbilt – I want to pick LSU to lose, but I just can't bring myself to do it. Vanderbilt's still the worst team in the SEC – it was more about Texas A&M playing poorly than Vanderbilt playing well. Don't get me wrong, LSU looks poor too. I'm keeping my eye on this one to see how poor, but I think LSU does just barely get by Vanderbilt. I, I, I think Vanderbilt covers. It's a 20-point line. I think Vander, I'll take Vandy in the points. If they can hang with A&M, they can hang with LSU. Maybe LSU rides the ship. Who knows? And then our last game, the game of the week. It's where college game day's at, and it's probably the best game of the weekend other than maybe – that Texas Tech-Kansas State game, which I just think is going to be fun to watch. They're going to score a lot of points. But number seven, Auburn at number four, Georgia. Georgia's six-and-a-half-point favorites, and that's interesting considering Georgia looked bad. Auburn looked good. I don't know how people leave the first weekend thinking that Georgia is further along than Auburn in any form or fashion. Georgia was down to Arkansas with six minutes left in the third quarter. 
Six minutes left. Auburn, by that point, had already begun their separation for Kentucky, or we're getting to that point. Another week, another lack of respect for Auburn from the national media. The Tiger offense looked new. Chad Morris brought new concepts. Bo Nix looked as confident as ever with some of his throws. I think Auburn revealed just enough on film against Kentucky without having an aggressive approach against Kentucky and revealing too much to make Georgia have to prepare for Auburn in a completely different way, but they don't know how to prepare for Auburn because I think it was a surface-level game plan against Kentucky. I just think it was a new looks that Georgia hasn't been exposed to from Auburn, so now Auburn hasn't revealed too much of their game plan that Georgia might be able to key in on some special plays and whatnot, but they also don't know how to prepare because it's just a new-look Auburn. They've never faced this before, so Georgia, I think, is going to just, from a defensive standpoint, is already behind the eight ball when you're looking at Auburn and some of the new concepts that they're running. Then on offense, they're behind too. JT Daniels getting cleared to play. We saw how poor that offense looked against Arkansas, and that's Arkansas. New quarterback coming off of an injury, new system, weird offseason. I've been saying all summer when this schedule came out or for the past month when the schedule came out that I thought Auburn was going to be further along offensively than Georgia going into this game, and that was even if Jamie Newman was the quarterback. Now JT Daniel is having to figure something out in a role that I don't think he expected to be in. I like Auburn in this one, and I'm going to say by at least 10 points. I'm going to say a 10-point victory for Auburn on Saturday against Georgia. That's it for another edition of Running the Point here on Fox Sports Central Alabama at Radio Alabama Sports or On Demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Come back next week, same time, same place. You know where to find us. God bless everybody.